Well, welcome everyone to the Full Life Podcast by Grace Church, where we hope to inspire, challenge, and clarify your next steps in faith. I'm David Lawson, and uh, today we are continuing our series on You Ask For It, where we are answering questions from the people of our church and our community about uh, topics related to faith. It grew out of a sermon series that uh, we preached uh, a couple, well, several weeks ago on by the same name, You Asked For It, where we were answering those questions from our church and our community. Of course, on Sunday morning, you can't address everything that uh, comes up, and so we're using the format of this podcast to begin addressing other questions that people uh, wrote in on and uh, ask us about uh, throughout that series. And so... We're going to be answering several questions today. We won't be able to go in depth on all of them, but hopefully we'll be able to address them adequately enough that uh, it will be an encouragement to you. And to help me with that, I have Pastor Bob Federhoff, our Pastor of uh, Development here at Grace Church, and Pastor Billy Starkey, who was our lead pastor of youth. And so they're going to be helping me answer a lot of these questions. It's going to be kind of rapid fire. We try to categorize them a little bit, but for the most part, we're just going to be answering one question right after the other. And so, Bob, you're going to warm us up. Uh, We're going to jump right in, and you're going to talk about, we're going to go to the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to look at a question that came uh, uh, from uh, a person about a man named Enoch, which we're introduced to in the book of Genesis. And the unique thing about Enoch is that in this long list of genealogy from Adam to Noah, uh, he's one who didn't die. (laughs) And the question that came up is, why did God not allow Enoch to die? Hmm. Well, he's the only one in that list that mm. didn't die, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, in, in all of Scripture, in fact, there's only two people that are mentioned who did mm. not die. One of them was Elijah, the other was Enoch. Mm-hmm. In uh, Genesis 5, it says that Enoch walked with God, mm. then he was no more because God took him away. Mm. We don't know exactly why God did not allow Enoch to die other than that. He walked with God. That's all we're told about him. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that God had him taken away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. The only real insight that we have about why God might have taken him from this earth without death is that he walked with God. Now, some have speculated that Enoch might actually be one of the two witnesses that are described in the book of Revelation in 11th chapter. Because he didn't die, Mm. perhaps he comes back along with Elijah as one of the two witnesses. Doesn't say that for sure, but that might be one insight. Well, there's no doubt he certainly had, the Bible's clear enough, he had a very unique and close relationship with the Lord. And certainly the evidence that the scripture gives us is that is one reason, at least, that uh, the Lord took him. Um, Billy, there were some several questions that were asked about salvation. I thought maybe you and I could address a couple of those. Uh, The first question was, uh, what happens to a person who has been baptized, accepted Christ, but at the time of their sudden death, they were not necessarily living a life pleasing to God. And then the questioner mm-hmm. adds parenthetically, this question has been heavy on my heart for many years. So it probably has a lot of uh, emotional attachment, personal mm-hmm. experience that this person may have had with somebody who had gone on ahead and that has impacted their life. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And obviously difficult when personal and you're um, thinking about someone that you know and love that has um, seemingly drifted away from something that they were uh, passionate about and engaged with at some point in their life. Um, <clears throat> I would go to John chapter 10. Um, there's multiple places you could go, but I would, I would look at John chapter 10, Jesus' words there um, that speak to what we would call eternal security. Um, uh, we're not talking about just a simple 
hey, pray your prayer and you're good for life. But when someone has um, genuinely uh, given their life to Christ, um, that they've received salvation for their sins and, and um, began that relationship with him, that uh, that person is eternally secured for heaven. Um, you know, the book of Ephesians talks about the Holy Spirit being a seal, guaranteeing our inheritance. And this is what Jesus said in John 10. Uh, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them in my father's hand. I and the father are one. Um, of course, this is just one passage that speaks to this um, this concept that, uh, you know, once Jesus has a, a hold of you, he says, nothing can take you out of his hand. Um, and, and even you can't take yourself out of his hand. But once you've received uh, Jesus and, and you've received the Spirit into your life, um, that, that changes you. Um, sometimes, even in my life in, in college, um, I, I would sin and I'd start to question, maybe, maybe I'm not really saved. And, and that's something I think many believers go through. Um, but we know that once we've given our life to Christ, um, we are still going to sin. Uh, we don't need to get saved again. We just need to be forgiven. Um, but when it comes to someone who maybe has made that decision um, and then later on in life things just seem like they've completely changed. Um, the first principle I guess I would hold to is that um, someone who has, you know, someone who's in Jesus' hand cannot be snatched away, um, even by their own doing. Um, and then, of course, um, there's a reality that there's many people who um, say to Jesus, um, you know, on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't didn't I know you? Didn't you know me? And Jesus says, go away from me. I never knew you, um, which I'd say maybe just speaks to the importance of, well, we have the opportunity, um, you know, confirming with people, helping people to, to nail that down, that decision that they've made, because some maybe because they grew up in church, because they read the Bible, because they hang around with other Christians, uh, maybe you're convinced that they are a Christian, but haven't personally made that decision. Um, so I think that just speaks to the importance, not just of evangelism, but even mm. with believers to um, to confirm that, to have those conversations. And if you have someone in your life that you're not sure about, um, you know, lovingly approach them and care for them enough to say, hey, I want to see where you're at with Jesus. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like the clarity of Scripture to bring mm-hmm. us uh, security and assurance there. Actually, we did a podcast not too long ago on 10 reasons why the Scripture gives us is why we are secure mm-hmm. in our relationship. And as you mentioned, it's not just about praying a prayer or, ma- or making saying some words it needs to be an expression of a sincere heart and a genuine mm-hmm. commitment to Jesus Christ. But once once we uh, experience that new birth, uh, we are in Christ and we are protected in Christ. There's another question related to this that came mm-hmm. up that is a lo- maybe even a little more sensitive, right. and it has to do with uh, suicide. And mm-hmm. um, you and you and Bob and I have all talked with people whose families has experienced this tragedy mm-hmm. in their lives. And so this is a question, and so it has to be handled with a lot of sensitivity, of course. But the question came up um, about a specific question about it, um, and it's this, do believers who commit suicide go to heaven? Hmm. And they qualified that even more by saying uh, their last act, murder, is sinful, and they cannot repent before death. Hmm. Uh, What would you say about that? Yeah, the, the question has a very different context than the previous one, um, but uh, a similar answer um, that uh, addition to the question that was asked, you know, their last act was mm-hmm. a sinful act, um, right. obviously is the is the main distinguishing factor. And um, 
you know, we know that that's true. Exodus 20, um, Matthew 19, Jesus reiterates that uh, one of the commandments that Jesus or that God gave to his people, thou shalt not murder. And, and suicide is a is an act of ending a life, ending one's own life. Um, obviously, there are all kinds of factors involved um, uh, related to mental health, related to um, outside factors where um, someone maybe is more in control or, or less in control of their faculties at this time. And so many different factors that could go into it. But um, the answer, I think, to that question, which maybe I should have just started with, is yes, because um, just like any other sin we could commit, um, there's no sin that could ever be so big or so bad that it would overcome the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross for a Christian. So someone who has, again, received genuine salvation through trusting in Jesus and what he's done for them, um, even in committing an act of sin in their last act on this earth, um, that sin can't overcome what Jesus yeah. did Amen. for them on the cross. Amen. So the answer to the question is yes, um, but I'd add to that um, that the sanctity of life is so important mm-hmm. to God um, and, and obviously to us and to people that um, the, the, the one of the maybe worst things that, that could come out of a question like that is for someone to think, okay, well then maybe it's all right because I, I can get out of this mm-hmm. world, I can mm-hmm. escape what I'm going through and um, if that's maybe what you're struggling with or someone that you know has um, maybe shared those kind of thoughts, um, it's so important to know that that God loves you, that um, people love you, that your life matters, and that your life is valuable. Uh, and so while uh, that act can't take you out of you know the, the forgiveness of God and love of God, um, your life has so much value that that is not God's will for your life, that mm-hmm. he has more for you, that there's mm-hmm. hope for you in life. So I just yeah. want to add that as well. Yeah. Pastor Rob, you've, you've walked with a lot of people through, well, hopefully not a lot of people, but you've, you've walked through this a few times. Is there anything you want to add to that about what you share with people? Well, in, uh, in addition to what Billy just said, I've never met with a family who said, boy, I'm glad that person's gone. Mm-hmm. The heartache that's created by this act in a family is absolutely beyond description. Yeah. And for anyone who struggles with this, I want to remind each person hmm. that people love you and care about you, even when you don't feel like it. Right. Especially God. Right. Hmm. And one more thought from Scripture that just uh, uh, came to my mind as you were sharing, Billy, is the great passage in Romans 8, for I am convinced yes. that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, anything else right. in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus yeah. our Lord. Yeah. As desperate as things are, there's still hope. That's right. And Jesus is greater. Even though when you're going through it, it's dark, it's hard, um, seemingly impossible, insurmountable. But uh, God is greater than that. Jesus demonstrated he's greater than that. He demonstrated that power through his resurrection from the death, from the dead, and, uh, and has empowered us by his Holy Spirit. For those of us who believe, he has empowered us by his Spirit, and there is hope. And so, yeah, we want to encourage anyone who might be going through these very difficult and dark days that there is hope. There are people who love you, who care for you and are willing to walk with you in these circumstances. Um, Another question uh, related to uh, salvation. A lot of people can't um, 
imagine that someone who's committed horrible, horrific, historical atrocities mm-hmm. could, at in their deathbed or at their deathbed, uh, make a salvation commitment and be still qualified <laughs> and able to go to heaven. Yet uh, that does remain true. That that is possible. And the question that came in is, do you believe if Hitler, one of the most evil people who ever lived, would have asked God to forgive him before he committed suicide, would he have gone to heaven? The short answer to that question is yes. It seems impossible. A lot of people don't want that to be. They Mm -hmm. don't feel like justice has been served. But the very fact of the matter is, justice was served. It was served in the person of Jesus Christ. God's justice was satisfied through the person of Jesus Christ. And when someone genuinely comes to faith in Jesus, accepts his death on the cross for the forgiveness of his sin, his resurrection power for their life, they are saved. They are in Christ. The Apostle Paul, the example of the Apostle Paul, he was a self-proclaimed murderer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had this encounter, right, on the road to Damascus. And his life was transformed, became the greatest church leader, uh, greatest church missionary, strongest author of the scriptures through the inspiration of the spirit that, that we know his life was transformed and renewed. Um, and that is the point is that is the point of salvation is that rescue. If it's not available for people like that and people like me, who is mm-hmm. it available for? And that's the glory and the wonder of salvation. And so mm-hmm. the, the answer to that question is yes, our human side of things for justice wants it to be different. Mm-hmm. But uh, when we get on the other side, we're glad that it's the way it is. <laughs> you know, when we get to heaven, we're going to be glad that that is the case, that that right. gift of salvation is available to anyone. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you had any other questions or comments about well, that you want to make. I think one of the things that confuses people is uh, the degree of sin. Yeah. It's the idea that, well, you know, there's this scale out there in the sky, and God's keeping track of the good things and the bad things we do. And boy, some people don't have that many bad mm-hmm. things on the bad side, and some people have a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And then there's Hitler, who's got a, and other people like him who yeah. must have. Right. The trouble with that thinking is, Scripture is clear about this. If I just got one thing, yeah, on the wrong side of the scale, I'm condemned. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't tip condemned in my favor already. Right. right. But then Paul says in Romans eight again. If God is for us, who can be against who us? Who can be against us? That's right. Mm. Amen. Including my own sin. Yeah. Mm. And God is for everyone. That's right. God wants right. everyone. He, he is not willing that any should perish. That's right. But Amen. everyone come to repentance. That's right. Mm. Last question that we'll deal with in this session, uh, this section here uh, about salvation is, since most people aren't Christians, aren't most people going to hell? Uh, I'll give you the short answer to that question, too, is yes, but we don't say it insensitively. Um, but the passage that comes to my mind when we um, think about that question is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. In uh, chapter 7, he says this. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many many go through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many enter through that. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The, the point is that Jesus is the narrow gate. Jesus is the narrow road. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that's the exclusive part, that's the narrow part, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's not, 
a lot of people look at that exclusion as not available. No, the exclusion is it's the only way. It's freely available to anyone who would pursue a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the reason why the the, the road is broad and the gate is broad is that every other way will not lead to a relationship with God, only a relationship through the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, I heard someone say it this way, uh, Narrow is, the, narrow is the road and narrow is the gate, but it's broad enough to handle all who would come. Hmm. And if you're someone who has not yet made a commitment to become a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, the road is broad enough for you. Uh, the gate is open for you through the person of Jesus Christ. Hmm. It's sad that uh, many people live through life and even die in their sin but that's the reason, as you were talking about earlier, Billy, that we need mm-hmm. to be talking about this good news of Jesus Christ to anyone who would listen and to make available uh, the truth about who Jesus is. So uh, short answer to that question is uh, yes, uh, most people, unfortunately. But that is a follower of Jesus Christ. One of the reasons we do what we do, the reason the church exists, is to uh, make that good news of Christ available. Um, so let's go into a, a couple of other subjects. Let's break away from the salvation questions for a while. Um, Bob, let's go back to another Old Testament question. Uh, and these questions are about origins. Okay. So, um, what proof, someone asked this question, what proof is there for Adam and Eve? And then you also get the medical question. Uh, <laughs> did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Uh, I, I've heard this a few times and it's amazing that people are infatuated with this, but they are. So uh, let's talk about the evidence for Adam and Eve and then we'll talk about the medical question if you want. Well, uh, as far as the evidence for Adam and Eve is concerned, I have just one phrase to me that summarizes the evidence for their existence. It's the presence of evil in the world. Mm. Scripture gives us a very clear description of what happened with them. They failed God. They chose their way rather than God's way, and Scripture is very clear about this. In Romans 5, Paul says, Therefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. And so in this way, death came to all people because all sin. Therefore, as by one man's disobedience... Mm. Sin entered the world, Paul says in verse 19 of Romans 5. The point is that Scripture confirms over and over again that because of the choices that Adam and Eve made, evil, sin entered the world. Who wouldn't say that this world is filled with evil? Yeah. (laughs) The fingerprints of Adam and Eve are all over the world because this world is filled with evil and heartache and pain, suffering. It wouldn't be there. Right. If they hadn't made the choices that they made. So I think that's the greatest evidence for their existence. We don't find their bones anywhere. Right. <laughs> right. But, right. but uh, the, the, the actions that they committed sure yeah. demonstrate yeah. that they existed and, that, and the impact that they, those actions had. Yeah. And, um, and while we might not have physical evidence uh, for this, we certainly have the testimony of Scripture, which has been validated over and over again. There have been many people who have done that. There are people who have we've I think we even had a podcast about this one time, about people who have uh, tried to disprove hmm. uh, not just the person of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, but the Scriptures, and they just all, the evidence is so insurmountable. And of course, Jesus referred to Adam and Eve. You have the New Testament writers who referred to Adam and Eve. And so... Um, you know, we have that evidence, and plus, we're here. 
<laughs> so, and those of us who are creationists, uh, we know that uh, Adam was created in the sixth day, and that, um, and they were the first man and woman, and so that had to start somewhere. But yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, that it's unfortunate, but it's true that there is a lot of evidence for Adam and Eve by the evil that we see in the world because of their failure. Speaking of the sixth day, there was a question that came in about dinosaurs. Uh, we get this uh, on occasion. You know, do did dinosaurs exist? Uh, are they con- consistent with the scripture and so forth? The answer to that question is yes. We're dinosaurs. There's evidence of dinosaurs all around the world. We believe they were created on the sixth day when land animals were created. Uh, and some of our listeners might not know that in Job chapter 40, there is a description of an animal that uh, very much could have been a dinosaur. A lot of scholars think it was a description of a large dinosaur. Uh, some translations will describe it, uh, use the word behemoth, and some mm-hmm. will use the word leviathan, but it's uh, a large, it's, it's a pretty apt description. Big uh, critter. Big critter. <laughs> <laughs> big critter. And so, yeah, uh, right. yes, well, we believe the dinosaurs existed, and uh, we believe they were created on the sixth day. And now that we brought up animals, Bob, here's here's a question, a little maybe comic relief for us, and that mm. is, do do pets go to heaven? We know cats don't. No, that, no. but what about there's no doubt about, about where they, end they up. do they go to heaven? Well, you know that's a that's a question a lot of people ask mm-hmm. um, because we love our animals. We do. We just love the animals that we have, and of course, God's given those animals to us to enjoy, just like He's given us a whole lot of other things to enjoy. Um, there's no evidence in Scripture that animals go to heaven, but for those of you that are saying, oh, no, what happened to my dog? <laughs> um, well, we had a couple dogs that died, and sort of our hearts were broken too. Um, but when you look at Scripture, you discover that there are individuals who had glimpses of heaven, and words failed them hmm. to describe what they saw. Um, Paul, for instance, in 2 Corinthians 12, just talks about heaven as paradise. Hmm. Um, The psalmist said in Psalm 16, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Hmm. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. So I know this, whatever is heaven is like, whatever heaven is like, it's far better than you and I could ever imagine. And all that we long for as believers in Jesus will be satisfied and far more than that when we see him face-to-face and we enjoy what he's prepared for us mm. forever. Mm. You'd be a good politician. You kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, while we while we broach the, the subject of origins, there's a couple of uh, questions about origins of spiritual beings that Hmm. that might be good to address now. And uh, we got questions about where did angels come Mm -hmm. from? Uh, Where did the Holy Spirit come from? Uh, Bob, I think I'll have you answer that question. Maybe piggybacking off that, Billy, you can talk about. Someone even asked the question, you know, since God created everything, created even Mm -hmm. the universe, where did God come from? Who's Mm -hmm. responsible for God? So maybe we'll give you the easy one. Who created God? (laughs) We'll let Bob talk about angels and the Holy Spirit. So Bob, let's just start us off. Well, those are really two different questions. Yeah. Uh, where, wh- who's the Holy Spirit? Where did he come from? And where did angels come from? Well, Scripture is clear about this. The Holy Spirit is God. He is a member of the Godhead. He's the third person of the Godhead. We say it like that. Uh, as a member of the Trinity, um, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. Each one is equally God. He's always existed as 
a member of the Trinity. He, there was never a time when the Holy Spirit did not exist. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, it tells us that the Spirit of God was present during creation. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And shortly after that, it says, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. So there in Genesis 1, um, God the Father is present and the Spirit is present, and both are mentioned. Of course, we come to the New Testament in Acts chapter 5. Um, we read about the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, they both lied about uh, a um, property transaction and uh, how much money they received from it. And the apostles looked at them and said, um, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You haven't lied to men, but to God. In that statement, the apostles were clear. They were equating lying to the Spirit with lying to God. So the point is, the Spirit is a member of the Godhead. He is a member of the Trinity. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. As far as angels are concerned, it's a completely different story. Angels are created beings. Unlike the Holy Spirit, who has always existed, who had no beginning and no end, that's a characteristic of God himself, angels did have some kind of, uh, of um, moment when they uh, were brought into existence by God himself. Um, and as we study the scriptures, we find all kinds of activity of angels on this earth uh, after their creation. For instance, in Job, we're told they shouted for joy when God was busy at creation. So at some point subsequent to that, they came into existence by God's power, and then they continued to rejoice as God continued his creative activity. Later in Scripture, we're told, for instance, that angels were messengers. Uh, for instance, uh, at Christmas, we think about how the angel Gabriel came first to Zechariah, told him that he was going to uh, be a daddy. Mm -hmm. And then the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a son, the Holy Spirit, and his power will come upon you. And the one who will be born of you will be uh, the Son of God. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told about an angel of the Lord who peer, uh, appeared to Joseph. We don't have his name. Could have been Gabriel as well. We don't know for sure. But the angel appeared to Joseph. So these angels would come to earth with special responsibilities or a special message to proclaim to people. But there are other duties that the angels had here on earth and, and do have to this day. Uh, in Psalm 91, for instance, uh, the psalmist said, He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. The point is that angels have a special ministry of protection for those who belong to God. In fact, in Hebrews, we're told, are not all angels ministering spirits sent forth to serve those who will inherit salvation? So apparently, angels have a special responsibility not only to deliver messages to God's people from time to time, but also a ministry of protection. Of course, as a dad and as a grandparent, mm -hmm. I'm reminded of the fact that apparently um, angels have a special responsibility and mm -hmm. care for children. And yeah. that's important to me, is it? Yeah. given the ones that I love. Amen. That's mm -hmm. right. You and I actually were on a trip one time when we thought maybe yeah. uh, there was the, the ministry of an angel. Someone had lost their passport, right? I will never forget that. Um, yeah, I don't have, probably don't have time to go into the whole story, but the point is that somebody lost their passport, and after minutes and minutes and minutes of looking, we tried to find the passport, couldn't find it, 
And with a flight ready to leave mm-hmm. for another country, within mm-hmm. in about 10 minutes, somebody came running through the airport holding it up in their hand as I stood at the gate saying, is this your passport? It wasn't mine that was lost. It was another woman in the group. Yeah. And, I, and I said, I'll take it. I'll give it to her. And we got on the plane and we took off. Well, and of um, all the people, he would have known us from Adam, yeah. so to speak. I mean, it's like exactly. he would have had no reason to know that we exactly. she was in our group. Never saw that person yeah. before. Never yeah. saw him afterward. In fact, he disappeared as fast as, I, yeah, right. as, as he appeared. I, I didn't even see him leave. Yeah, because you asked me, did you see that guy? I said, no. <laughs> I, didn't see. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I saw him come up, then I didn't. He, he was gone. He yeah. was gone. Amazing. All right. So, uh, Billy, you get the easy question now, uh, mm. the origin of God. So uh, so you yeah. can get to talk to us about God <laughs> and all related things. Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> well, um, imagine, let's see, I think about my uh, my son and I and some of the, the creative acts that we um get to enjoy together building some Lego blocks or, or making a fort or whatever else it may be. And um, the existence of a creation implies a creator, right? So yeah. um, the fact that the earth has a beginning means that somebody created it, mm-hmm. um, and the person who created it must therefore transcend it. So um, if God created the earth, then, then he's not a part of that creation. He, he has to be somehow bigger, somehow right. outside. Um, I think it's tricky for us because in our life, uh, the seconds and the minutes and the hours, days, weeks, months, years, decades, you know, pass by. Uh, but God exists outside of mm-hmm. um, time uh, and space and, and the way that we as humans do. So a uh, couple verses that I think about, um, think about Revelation 1, uh, verse 8, says this, uh, says, I am the Alpha and I'm the Omega, mm. says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You know, Alpha and Omega meaning the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is and he was and he will continue to be. Um, Bob mentioned the Holy Spirit as a, a member of the Trinity. Um, some of the language we use about the Trinity is that um, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are co-eternal mm-hmm. and they're co-equal, meaning mm-hmm. uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit have always existed and they always will exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and a verse like that speaks to that. Um, if you were to read the book of Psalms, you could really f- flip over to a page and stick your <laughs> finger there and look around for the word eternal and you'll probably find it. Mm-hmm. Um, one quick example, Psalm 102 says this, verse 12, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. So the answer to the question, who created God, if he created the earth, is nobody created God. Um, God has always existed. Uh, He will always exist. Um, Our human brains eventually will hit an error or something. As we think about that too much, I can think about times where I've sat on my bed at night and uh, especially in high school or college, and you just think about that. Okay, what was God doing before the earth was created, and right. and, and what was that like? And, and eventually there's questions we can't necessarily have an answer to, but Scripture is clear that God has always existed. Um, so he is uncreated. Uh, he's not a created being. He's always existed. He did the creating, um, and uh, the rest of it, what he was doing before and what he'll be doing later, um, maybe is outside of our realm of understanding. Yeah. Very difficult to get our mind around that. We can't. I mean, being finite beings, we, we just can't do it. Um, but certainly one of the divine qualities of mm-hmm. who God is, for sure. 
So let's uh, let's change gears just a little bit and uh, let's talk about one of the biggest questions that oftentimes is on people's minds when it comes to this. And I'll be interested uh, in you guys kind of chiming in as you feel appropriate. And that is with the question of evil. Hmm. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that makes this question so big is that it's so emotional and it's so personal. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's been affected by some aspect of evil, um, heartache, difficulty, tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, the loss of a loved one, you know, loss of material possessions, loss of a, you know, whatever it is, there, there's some aspect of evil, some sort of injustice that they feel like that they have received. It's very personal mm-hmm. and it's very emotional. And it's really hard to disentangle, isn't it, that personal and the emotional side from the, the question itself about evil. Right. And so uh, everybody understands that. We get it. We've been impacted by it uh, to varying degrees. And there are other people around the world who have experienced it to an even greater degree than maybe many of us who are either listening or we who are around this table. But it's just personal and emotional, and all of us have been affected by evil and by tragedy. And I hope I'm not misrepresenting it because we don't have the time to talk about it. I mean, volumes have been written about this. Some of the some of the brightest people in the history of mankind have squared off and talked about this issue and written about it, right? And so uh, we're pretty naive to think that we're going to be able to solve this question uh, in just a couple of minutes that we have here. But um, so I'm hopefully I'm not misrepresenting it, but I think the, the, the question of evil really boils down to this question statement or a statement like it. How is it possible that an all-powerful, loving, gracious God can allow evil to exist? And the heartache and the tragedy and everything that goes along with it. Um, and again, you know, the, many people have written about this. It's been, uh, it's been the subject of many authors and uh, philosophical discussions by really bright people. But I think I want to start this way. I want to say this. The the question about about evil has to be answered by everyone. This is not just a Christian question. Regardless Mm -hmm. of your worldview, regardless of your perspective, whatever your worldview or perspective is, has to be able to address this question because this question exists regardless, right? And so it's not only a Christian question. It doesn't mean that we can evade it, but it's just not only... A, so the, the Muslim has to address it. It's mm-hmm. a Buddhist question. It's an agnostic question. It's an atheist question. It's an evolutionist uh, question. It's a question for everyone. Your worldview somehow has to be addressed. Somehow it tends to only get addressed to Christians, mm-hmm. but um, it's not only a Christian question. So whatever your philosophy or your viewpoint, you have to be able to address this question at some point. I want to start by uh, uh, reading this quote from Malcolm Muggeridge. He was a Christian author and journalist, and this is what he said. Indeed, I can say with all truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world that has enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness. Most people don't talk about it that way. In other words, if it were possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence through some drug, the result would not be, would not be to make life delectable, but to make it too banal and trivial to be endurable. Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Wow. We tend to think, don't we, when we come up with this question of evil, uh, it almost presupposes, doesn't it, that the happy way, the path of least resistance way is the best way. And Malcolm Mugridge is saying, no, 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 that's not it. You need to be thinking about it a different way. Now, no one likes it. Mm-hmm. No one likes going through the difficulty. No one likes going through the heartache. But he's saying, no, 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 there's something different about that. In other words, I think what he's saying, there's a greater good beyond our pain. I think in his quote, that's what he's saying. He's, he's pointing us to the fact that there's a greater good beyond our pain. And that really is the Christian position, isn't it? It acknowledges that there is pain. The Bible is really clear that when sin entered into the world, you quoted that very well, uh, Pastor Bob, earlier. When sin entered into the world, suffering came with it. Judgment came with it. Suffering came with it. All the suffering, the pain that we experience ultimately is a result of sin entering into the world, whether it's the the choices that man has made or uh, the stuff that nature sends our way. It's ultimately as a result of the judgment of sin that has come into the world. Uh, So the Bible is really clear on that. But the Bible is also very clear that we have a God who is greater than the evil, and Mm -hmm. in his sovereignty... He is able to bring out a uh, a greater outcome, a better outcome, able to bring good out and beyond the suffering and the pain that we experience. I remember when my grandmother died on my dad's side. No one likes death. Uh, the Bible describes death as man's ultimate enemy. Uh, of course, we were all mourning it. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the funeral home for the visitation or for the calling hours, um, I had cousins who were just grieving without hope. I mean, they really were. And so I, I shared in, in their grieving with them. And uh, I knew why they were grieving, because my grandmother represented uh, a, a love, a love of Jesus, uh, an unconditional love as much as a human being can offer it, that they had experienced. And that was a staple in their mm-hmm. lives, and now that was removed. And... So after spending some time with them, I looked at them and I said, uh, so how would you like to know for sure that you could see your grandma again? Hmm. Now, I won't go so far as to say that their their eyes brightened up or that their face brightened up, but it got their attention and they looked at me and with tears in their eyes, they said, yes, I'd love to know how I can see grandma again. Hmm gave me the opportunity to talk to them about the hope that's found in Jesus, the salvation that's found in them, in him. And they ended up making a commitment to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Wow. See, out of that pain, there was a greater good mm-hmm. that came out of it. Sometimes we don't always see it, right? I mean, uh, I'm not so naive to think that we always see the greater good out of it, but I think the confidence of knowing that there was a greater good coming out of it is important. If you look at the cross, uh, the greatest tragedy in humankind... Mm-hmm. Uh, happened at the cross. Jesus died a death he didn't deserve for sin he didn't commit. He was uh, tortured. He was brutalized. He was rejected. He mm-hmm. was uh, uh, he suffered at the hands of men that he was dying for and for their sin and for my sin. And he hung in the cross brutally in a, in a brutal execution. And it wasn't his fault. <laughs> Yet, The greatest good came out of that. The salvation of our souls, the salvation of mankind came out of the greatest tragedy in human history. So much so that we celebrate his death, if you can think about it that way. We celebrate his death 
during the season of Easter on a day that's called Good Friday. Hmm. And why do we call it Good Friday? Is because God brought a greater good out of the greatest human tragedy in the history of mankind. So we serve a God that is greater uh, hmm. than the evil and brings good that is even better than the evil that we experience. We like to quote oftentimes, I think it's appropriate here, Romans 8.28, where Paul mm-hmm. said that uh, God um, that God works all things, and I love that word, God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God will use tragedy and difficulty and pain, though no one likes it. No one likes it. And uh, we need people walking with us through it, and we need the hope of Jesus Christ to get through it. But God will use it uh, ultimately for his honor and his good and for the good of those who are going through it. I remember a quote by C.S. Lewis uh, that I've used quite a few times. God whispers to us in our pleasures, Mm -hmm. speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. If you're someone who's not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, and there is pain and there's difficulty in your life, mm-hmm. God, the greater good that God might be bringing out of this is to, getting you, uh, is to use that pain uh, and to be present in that pain for you to understand and know him, maybe even ask questions about him. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and God is shouting in pain, it's a reminder to be hopeful of the good mm-hmm. that God ultimately will bring especially to the person of Jesus Christ. And one last thing before I ask your guys' input on this, Paul said something in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing mm-hmm. with the glory that Amen. we will reveal in us. There will be a day. Mm-hmm. And there will be no more crying, no more pain. Amen. The old, listen to this, the old order of things will have passed away. The pain that we're, the life we're living now, the pain we're in now, is the old way. Mm-hmm. There is a new way that's coming. So I don't know what you guys' thoughts are about Amen. it. It's a big question. Wow. Amen. Well, you you brought up C.S. Lewis. That's who I was yeah. thinking of. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I would would say heavily heavily influenced by his his writings, and um, I appreciate his uh, logical approach to mm-hmm. um, defending the Christian faith, and and also just him explaining how he came to the conclusion that um, while you you can't you can't necessarily prove that one religion is is 100% certain this is it. But um, similar to what you said earlier, Christianity best answers the questions that life is mm-hmm. asking. And and with the problem of pain, um, Christianity is the only worldview that um, looks at pain and has a hopeful perspective yeah. to it um, that you really don't find anywhere else. Um, but when I think about this problem um, and why evil exists— I think if you if you do look at it from a logical perspective and you look at what Bob said earlier about Adam and Eve and, and mm-hmm. sin entering in the world, mm-hmm. um, when when someone asks the question, what you know, why would why would God allow this to happen? Um, if we believe what we believe that God created us with the ability to choose our actions with free will to do what we uh, ultimately would please, um, that God didn't create a earth full of robots that right. just are forced to love Him. Then that means that God, inherently in that, allowed people to have the choice to choose good or to choose evil, mm. um, and, and so therefore that means that this world we live in is going to have evil, um, 
for more reasons than that, but that's one of them is that people will choose to do yeah. evil. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. that's horrible. But if you look at the alternative, mm. God creating a world of people that have no choice, right. we're, we're robots, we're, we're automatic, we do whatever God wants us to do. That's not a world that anyone wants to live in either. Yeah. Uh, and so it's really in God's love for us, he gave us the freedom of choice. Yeah. Um, and the best thing we can do is to reciprocate that love back to God. But um, if you yeah, if you look at that problem and you say, why wouldn't God just stop all of that? Well, well then the world wouldn't really be a place we'd want to live in either right. because we would all be forced into acting yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. Um, whereas God allowed us the choice. But with that, that allowed... Yeah. People to choose to do wrong and yeah. hurt people. Yeah, love is elective, isn't yep. it? You have to elect. You have to choose right. love. That's right. That's- well, I think you've both used the word in passing. The word is hope. Yeah. When it yeah. comes to evil, what distinguishes Christianity from uh, every other religion in the world, so to speak, in, in one respect, is this word hope. Yeah. Uh, because if you talk if you talk about uh, agnosticism or atheism, when it comes to the problem of pain. There's a sense of hopelessness about what's happening right. in this world, right? Mm-hmm. The same is true for other religions. But what God offers us during our heartache and trouble is hope. Yeah, that's right. Is hope uh, in the middle of the difficult mm-hmm. times. Um, in fact, it's not a, a randomness about life that so many other uh, religions of the world uh, would embrace. Uh, there's purpose mm-hmm. to what God mm-hmm. allows in our lives. And because that's true— that can bring hope even in the midst of tough times. I think about Romans 15. May the God of hope yeah. fill you with all joy and peace as you mm-hmm. trust in him mm-hmm. so, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What we have, even in the middle of hard times, right. even in the middle of evil yeah. around us, is yeah. hope. Yeah. And when we when we go through those times, that God is a God of all comfort. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said uh, that that we should receive comfort the comfort we've received from the Lord, he's the God of all comfort, the, the comfort we receive from him, we may use to comfort others. And so even, see, from a Christian perspective, what we're saying is that the comfort we receive, we pass on. We still have an other's orientation, uh, even when we're going through our pain and our difficulty to help other people. Exactly. Well, one more question, Bob. Uh, I want you to, to, to wrap us up with this question. Um, sure. And, you know, we do live in a world of pain and suffering and sorrow, and the world was filled with bad news, right, and with difficulty. And so here's the question that was asked, how does a Christian be of good cheer? Uh, certainly, we're here we are at Christmas time, you know, be of good cheer. Uh, how does a Christian be of good cheer and follow the scripture to worry about nothing in a world so full of hatred and hurts? Great question. Again, um, and this brings to my mind some of my favorite verses of Scripture. You've already quoted one. I'll get to that in a minute. But I think the answer to that is knowing that God is in control. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 1 says, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. He is absolutely in control and in charge. He's not in heaven wondering what's going to happen to me next. Right. He knows. He has a plan. He has a purpose that he's accomplishing in my life. He's in control. There's an old song that says, Our God is in control, though pressures burden the soul. He allows both major and minor in his perfect harmony. Hmm. The point is, whatever we experience in this life, we can know that it's a part of what God wants for us, and he has a plan that he is accomplishing. Did you ever work on a puzzle? Hmm. 
pour out all the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. on a table and try to put them all together. You did something, if you ever worked on a puzzle, and I'm not a puzzle guy, but if you ever worked on a puzzle, you trusted that the puzzle maker put all the puzzle pieces in the box. Yeah. Well, the puzzle maker of the universe has just as sure as that and far more put all the puzzle pieces in the box. Mm-hmm. And he's putting things together in our lives in a way that ultimately will be for our good. That's why Paul said all things work together for good That's right. to those who love God. And that's why Peter invites us to cast every care on him because he cares for us. Right. He's in control. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys very much. This has been uh, – there are a lot of questions. We could pursue these questions a lot more. There's a lot that, – and that's the good news, right? That the, the, the scripture is so rich with mm-hmm. answers to these questions that we could go on and on. Right. They're not just philosophical discussions. These are, uh, these are discussions that are uh, reconciled oftentimes. Mm-hmm. The tension oftentimes is reconciled by what's true. And uh, sometimes we have to live with things in a little bit of tension – Though, uh, because we don't understand the mind of God, we don't understand everything uh, that, or otherwise, uh, He wouldn't be God if we mm-hmm. understood everything about it. So, uh, we trust that uh, you have been enriched by uh, our time together, and it's been helpful for you. And uh, just a reminder that uh, one of the reasons we had this conversation today was to help uh, us and all of you uh, take another step further in enjoying the full life that God has for you. And uh, in addition to that, to be prepared to even talk to someone else about what you believe and why you believe it and uh, enrich their lives as well. If you're someone who does not have a church home yet, you're certainly welcome to join us at our location or by one of our streaming services. If you want to know more about our meeting times and the services uh, when they are streamed, you can certainly go to graceforohio.org. <music>